Well, we are hoping that you've had a great and amazing in-depth time with our God here today. And we want to continue on our journey of connecting with God and just open up his word today. And I'm excited because we are beginning a brand new series here today. And we're going to be looking at our enemy. We're going to be looking at Satan. We're going to be looking at the father of lies, the destroyer, whatever you want to call him. We're going to be looking at him over these next few weeks. And it's my prayer that we'll just, we'll gain an understanding of who he really is in this world and in our life and in this church. And I think if we get to understand who he is, then we'll be able to understand how we can fight back and how we can prepare ourselves for when he does attack. And this series over these next few weeks, I've entitled it, When the Devil Knocks. And guarantee you, he is knocking at your door right now. He is knocking. He's going to take every opportunity that he can to take you down, to distract you, to take you away from God's word. And it's an incredible, and it's incredibly important, I believe, in our spiritual journey to learn how we do spiritual battle. It's extremely important. And too many times, too many of us, we, we don't recognize and understand the importance. We, we, we don't even sometimes even believe that there's this battle going on. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to think. That is the enemy putting these lies into our hearts and into our minds that, eh, he's not that big of a deal. Just let me say this up front. Some people might be thinking as we start this series, why are you talking about this, Bill? What's the point of us talking about the enemy? Why should we even be talking about that? Shouldn't we be talking about God? Shouldn't we be talking about Jesus and how much he loves us? What I want you to understand is that this is not a devil-glorifying teaching whatsoever. What we want to do is we want to better understand our enemy so that we can better fight against the forces of darkness. I'll start with something that I think is kind of interesting. If you would ask me, if you would ask me, what is the greatest deception of the devil? What is the greatest trick that our enemy actually convinced so many people of? And I've had that question a couple of times. But here's the answer. I would say that the greatest trick that the devil has ever pulled off is this, of convincing so many people, maybe even you, that he actually doesn't exist. It's literally convincing us that he does not exist. We may believe in God, but certainly there's no forces of darkness. Like, come on, isn't God love? Isn't God good? And I hope you understand that the enemy, that the devil is real. He's not some little guy that we might picture in a red suit with a tail, holding a pitchfork, and with horns. There is a spiritual battle going on every single day. And it's, going be, and it's happening between the forces of good and the forces 
of evil. No, this is not some sort of Star Wars idea. This is real. See, our God is the God of light. The devil is the God, and please note, little g here, of darkness. Our God is truth. The devil is the father of lies. See, Jesus came so that we may actually have life. The devil came to bring death. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Scripture actually teaches us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And you've heard me say this many times. In other words, your battle is not with your spouse. Your battle is not with your kid. Your battle is not with your grandkid. The battle is not with that coworker or that boss. It may seem like it, but it's against powers and principalities of this dark world. And that's why, that's why we're going to be diving in for these next three weeks. And we're going to learn to fight against the evil one. Because again, our vision for this year is that we want to be unleashed into our community by loving people one at a time. And I guarantee you, the enemy is already attacking us because of that vision. He's already slithering his way in this church family to try to neutralize us, try to divide us, to try to bring confusion. So we want to learn how to fight against that. But let me give you a little backstory here first about this force of darkness. And it's going to help set us up for today. A lot of people don't realize this. Or they just don't recognize it. They, they don't understand it. But before the foundations of the world, we know that God created these archangels. And we've, we've read about them in Scripture. He created Gabriel. He created Michael. And he created Lucifer. Lucifer was actually a kind of worship angel. Have you ever wondered why there's so many worship wars in churches? In his glory, he was the worship angel. Lucifer was beautiful. He was striking, full of wisdom and full of glory. The problem is this, Lucifer actually became very jealous of God. See, see, here's what was going on. God was getting all the glory here. And Lucifer, he wanted some of that glory because he felt he deserved it. He felt he earned it because of his role. So he wanted that glory. And essentially, he fell into pride. And as he fell into his pride, essentially, he, was, he pitted himself against God. And because God said, I will not share my glory with anyone... See, when Lucifer wanted all the attention, this is what God did. He cast him down from heaven. And Lucifer, in the process, took, as we read in Scripture, a third of the angels with him. Those angels that he took with him are known as the demons that we do battle with even today. So what does this mean? What does this even matter to you? But what you need to understand is because you are created in the image of God, 
And because God hates, and because the devil hates God, the devil will continually come after you. He will not stop. As long as you have air in your lungs, he is coming at you. And that will not stop. It's not if he attacks. Instead, he is already attacking right now. He is. This series is actually designed to help arm you, to equip you when the devil comes knocking. And I believe with all my heart that the devil will try to keep you from hearing this message today, the following week, and the next week. You watch. Next week, there will be something that will come up that will distract you, that will keep you from tuning in, that will keep you from worshiping. There's going to be those obstacles. There's going to be those distractions that will try to keep you from coming back again next week. And I believe in even more so that the evil one will try to keep us from living this way. And that's why it's so important that we just don't hear God's word, but we need to live it out every single day. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, there is no neutral ground in the universe Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Let me show you kind of where we're going over these next three weeks. Today we're going to be talking about the quality of the evil one, and we're going to call him the deceiver. The Bible says he is a deceiver. See, here's the thing. Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. That's what he does. He lies to us, and he tries to actually take us away from God's truth. Next week, we're going to talk about Satan is the accuser. So what does he do? How does that work out? Well, Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. It's this idea of like, well, you're not... You're, you will never be. You're not good enough for God. Have you ever heard those thoughts come across yourself? That's the enemy. That's the accuser who's attacking your heart with these accusations. And then the third week, I'm going to teach on the text that the vast majority of us probably have never heard a message preached from church before. So you definitely want to come back because I'm not going to let you know what it is. You, you're going to need to come back. That's my hook. And we're going to talk in that week about the destroyer. Satan is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. So over these next few weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. He's the deceiver who attacks your mind. He's the accuser who attacks your heart. And he's the destroyer who attacks your will. In John 8, 44, we, see, we read this. It says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, any time that he speaks, he's lying. And somebody might ask, well, how do you know when the devil is lying? Well, every time his mouth is moving, he's lying. 
And this was his, actually his first strategy attacking Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we're going to see that he actually attacked the authority of God's word with lies. Crazy interesting to me when you think about this. There are so many different ways that the serpent could have deceived Eve. But how did he do it? Do you remember? Well, we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at this interaction between the serpent and Eve. So how did he do it? Well, we're going to find out that he did it by attacking God's word. Think about it. There are so many ways that the serpent could have tried to take Eve away from God, but he chose to do it by attacking God's word, and he did it really in two different ways. And we're going to see how he did it. This is how, this is how he attacks God's word. The first way that he does it, his first strategy of attacking God's word is that he questioned God's word. He questioned God's word. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I want you to notice here that the deceiver did not deny that God has spoken. Instead, what he did is he questioned what God had spoken. And this is what the deceiver still does today. He will try and question and plant seeds of doubt into your mind. This idea of, do you really believe that the Bible is a book from God? Surely you're smarter than that. God didn't really mean that. At least not for you, he didn't. To see how he questions God's word as he attacks it. And that's what he was doing to Eve. He questioned God's word. And evidently, Eve apparently started to question God's word. And let me show you why I think that. Because God, you got to remember, God told her that she may eat freely. He said, you may eat freely from all of these trees, just not this one. Then Eve, and then when Eve got into this dialogue with the devil, she actually left out one key word in this conversation. I want you to see if you can notice which word she left out. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. What word did she leave out there? Well, she left out the word freely. (laughs) Implying when she's saying this, she's almost implying that perhaps that God was actually holding back on her. That God was keeping things from her. There was no more that which God said no to must be the very thing that I want that will bring me fulfillment and satisfaction. So what happened in all this? The moment Eve started to question the goodness of God, that was when it was easier for her to disobey the will of God. Did you catch that? When you start to question the goodness of God, it's much easier to then disobey the will of God. See, the moment that Satan started to question God's word, she started to wonder, you know, is God really good? 
Or is he just holding back from me? I thought he loved me. I thought he was being good to me. Is he even really good? So we find here in this interaction that the deceiver questioned God's word. Have you ever experienced that? Experienced some of this type of interaction as you look at scripture and say, well, maybe that's not for me. Well, maybe that's not really not what God is saying. He questioned God's word. The other thing that he did in this encounter with Eve is, is that he twisted God's word. He twisted it. And we see this starting to happen in verse 3. It says, he says this, But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. Do you know that's exactly what Lucifer wanted? Remember that, right? He wanted to be just like God. He wanted the glory that God was having. He wanted to be like him. And what's interesting, the way that he twisted the word is that Eve was already created in the image of God. She was already a reflection of the heart of God. And yet the serpent says, he goes in, he goes, twist, twist, twist. Twist. Did God really say that? Did God really say you would be like God if you do this? And this is exactly what the evil one does today. Over and over and over again, he twists God's word. He attacks the authority of God's word by twisting it. Here's what I hope you will understand more than anything over these next few weeks, it's this. You are under attack. Do you understand that? You are under attack. The evil one, he is coming after your family. He is coming after your finances. He is coming perhaps after you physically. He's coming after you. Maybe he's coming even after your children. You are under attack. Let me just say this. If someone breaks into my house and comes after my family, what do you think I'm going to do if that happened? Let me tell you what I'm not going to do in that moment. I'm not going to sit in my bedroom and go, I hope they don't, I hope they don't come upstairs. I hope they don't go into one of the girls' rooms and then kind of switch quickly turn over and say, quick, least do something. That's what I won't do. What, what am I going to do? Well, first thing I'm going to do is this. I'm going to release Coda because I know he's chomping at the bit to take care of it himself. And then secondly, I'll come in behind him to help him and provide support with my baseball bat. Trust me, I've done it. I've come to my front door with a baseball bat and Coda right there because I heard someone turning the doorknob to come into our house. And we, Code and I, were going to allow this individual to come in, but they were not going to leave. I'm going to fight if someone breaks into my house and comes after my family. 
I am going to fight. Just like you probably would fight back, right? Then why don't we do the same with the enemy? We don't fight, and we don't fight back. And we have to say this to the enemy every single day. we got to say, not today. Not today you're not doing this. Not in my house. Not with my family. No, devil, you have no place here. I fight back in the name of Jesus. The name at which every single demon must flee from. I'm not sitting back. I'm not tolerating this and I'm ho- to tolerate this and just hoping for the best. Well, maybe the enemy will only just do a little bit. We're not doing that. We need to stand up and we need to fight back and remind him who he is and remind him whose we are. You're in a battle and we need to recognize that. But here's the good news is that we battle not against flesh and blood. We also don't use earthly weapons. So I guess I, don't, I can't use my bat anymore. But we have spiritual weapons. We have spiritual weapons that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. He says you have this armor, this armor of God. He says you've got the helmet of salvation. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You have the shield of faith that will protect you from all the fiery darts of the enemy. You have the belt of truth. You have the shoes prepared with the gospel of readiness, of peace. And you have one offensive weapon, and it's not my baseball bat. What is it? It's a sword of the Spirit, right? It's the sword of the Spirit that is our offensive weapon in all of this. Your offensive weapon is right here. It's the word of God. This is your weapon. And what I hope you understand is that the Bible is not just some little book that teaches you how to be nice, how to be kind. The word of God is your greatest offensive weapon that you will ever have against your battle with Satan. Wielded against the forces of darkness in every single spiritual battle that you fight, you need to bring this with you. Are you though? Are you bringing your only offensive weapon with you? And you know what? We have to understand when Paul talks about the sword of the spirit, there were two sword, two types of swords in that day. There was, there was one type of sword that was a, a big sword that you would swing with both hands. Think David versus Goliath. After David one, he picked up the sword, a big sword, two hands. And chopped his head off. There was another type of sword though. It was a shorter sword. And it was known as the gladius. And the gladius. The shorter shorter sword. It was was mainly used. In hand to hand combat. So when your enemy got close. You draw the gladius. Listen to what. What the author of Hebrews tells us about God's word. In Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It says it is sharper than the sharpest 
two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's how we do battle. This is how we do battle against the evil one. It's, it's how we fight back with the spoken word of God, the sword of the Spirit. That's how Jesus battled against Satan in the wilderness after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, right? Every, Satan waited to attack him when he knew that Jesus was at his most vulnerable and his most weakest. He attacked Jesus when he was weak. And some of us might say, well, you know what? I haven't actually been attacked by the enemy. I can't remember the last time. Well, maybe it's because you're not doing anything. Maybe that's why you aren't being attacked. If you're not doing anything, he doesn't need to attack you. It's only when you do something that the devil attacks. When you're bold for your faith, the devil attacks. When you're generous with what you have, the devil attacks. When you're glorifying God with worship, the devil attacks. When you just don't go to church, but you are the church, the devil attacks. Jesus was glorifying God. And the devil comes and attacks. And every single time he came and attacked Jesus, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus respond? He responded by quoting the word of God. David says in Psalm 119.11, he says that I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. In other words, what David is saying is he's saying your word is a part of me. It dwells within me. How do you get the word hidden in your heart? You daily study it. You enjoy the spiritual nourishment of the word of God. If I can be really honest, the problem for so many of us is that you don't even know where your sword is. You're like, okay, I know it's around here somewhere. I, I, I think I had it in some shelf Somewhere down in the basement, or did I put it on this? Many of us don't even know where our sword is. And here's the thing. Before the word can come out of your mouth, it's got to be hidden in your heart. If the word is not hidden in your heart, the word will not be coming out of your mouth. So what does the word do? Well, it convicts us when we stray. It directs us into God's will. It comforts us while we're hurting. It encourages us to become who we are in Christ. It equips us to do the perfect will of God. It reminds us that it's not about us, but it's all about Him. It is living bread. It is spiritual nourishment. It strengthens us. And I would plead, I would plead with you, to make this a part of your daily life. If you think for a moment that the devil is just a, some cute little guy in just some Halloween costume, then you're probably already thinking that Jesus is just this tender, little, hippie, carrying a staff with a, a lamb over his shoulders. Well, he is love, yes, but he's also righteous. 
While he is full of grace, he also comes back in judgment. When in, and when he returns, according to Revelation, John gives us this vision of what it will look like. In Revelation 1, it says this, His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes, his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice, his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp Two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. What was he doing here? Talks about this sword coming out of his mouth. What is he doing? He is speaking the word of God. He is doing spiritual battle here. We know from John that the word is Jesus. The devil is a liar. Jesus is truth. And every time you sin against God, it's because you believed one of the devil's lies. But when you know the truth, we are reminded that the truth will set you free. So whenever the devil tries to lie to you, you say, get behind me. I know God's word. This is who I am in Christ. This is what I have in Christ. You are defeated. And what, we need to th- and what we need to say to him and how we need to live is this. I'm not fighting for victory. We're not fighting for victory. But I'm fighting from victory. That's what we need to say to him and remind him about that. We are not fighting for victory here Uh, Satan, but we're fighting from victory. We are the victors. You are the defeated. You get behind me. You are a defeated foe because greater is the one who dwells within me than he who is in the world. We are in a battle. You are under attack. The enemy is the deceiver. And he will attack your mind as he tries to lie to you. Remind yourself of his tactics and his strategies because it really hasn't changed since the beginning of time. It really hasn't. We just need to be aware and we need to recognize that we are in this battle. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for providing us the resources to fight this battle. That is not because of us, but it's because of you. That we have victory not because of what we've done. We have victory because of what you've done. And I pray that we are just reminded here today that the enemy, he is the deceiver. And he will attack our mind with his lies. That he will try to come in and question God's word and test God's word. Allow us to know the truth. So much so that he, those strategies won't work on us. Thank you for the resources you've given us to fight battle. And I pray today's the day we pick them up and we start using them. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.